We read the scripture as to not forget where we've come from and where we are going. That is towards Jesus. Take a moment to speak it out loud over your life, your family, and our world. Now let's read together. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Hey, good morning. My name is Carrie, and I am here to talk about Jesus with you today. I'm super excited. I didn't hear a whole lot of whoop whoops there. A few of you whispered, like, and then you're like, oh, well, maybe not. And so anyway, I am so excited. We're going to talk all about Jesus today. We're going to understand um, what obedience means because of we, our understanding and our clear picture of Jesus. Because we are in still talking about the practice of obedience. And we have already grown so much in our understanding of what God has called us to live in as believers in the Lord. And so here we go. I want to start in. We're going to go in. We're going to hit this really hard starting out at the beginning. I don't have any real cute stories to start with or jokes to tell you. We're going to go to Psalm 20 or Proverbs 29 verse 18. You can get there. It's in the notes in your sermon notes. Um, you can look it up on your Bible app on any mobile device, or you can get out your paper, paper Bible, my very favorite, and uh, read from there. Proverbs 29, 18. It says, where there is no prophetic vision or revelation, people cast off restraint. Today we're going to talk about what it looks like in Jesus' life to live with the restraint of obedience. I know that doesn't sound very fun, right? Restraint. That means like I got to hold back. That means, listen, we're going to get a picture of Jesus and it's going to move us into a place of obedience and following after him with all of our hearts. And in that, there is joy and peace and life forevermore, right? This is who Jesus is. Revelation 19 says, so we say, okay, what is this prophetic vision? What is this revelation that we're supposed to be having? In Revelation 19.10, it says, it is the spirit of prophecy, so it's the prophecy who bears testimony to Jesus, so the prophetic vision, the revelation that we have need of, is the vision of Jesus. And today we're going to talk about the vision for our obedience is Jesus. In another way, Jesus is our vision for obedience. Man, it's so good. It's so good. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. This is out of order in your uh, sermon notes. I just changed this. So if you're on the sermon notes and you want to read this scripture uh, along there, just scroll down a little bit and you'll find it. Hebrews 12, 1 says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, this is following Hebrews 11, where we talked about from the beginning of time to this point of this written word, the testimonies of history of people who put their faith in Jesus. We're surrounded by this cloud of witnesses. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us. Aren't we thankful today? The race marked out for us. This isn't a willy-nilly, I've got to figure it out on my own. Jesus gives us a very clear picture of how to follow him. He gives us a very clear picture of how to follow him. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the word teaches us. We follow in perseverance and we walk in that marked out path 
by fixing our eyes on Jesus. Not on ourselves, not on the rules, not on, the, on, the, on this certain pathway or this dream that I personally have, but I fix my eyes on Jesus because he is my vision caster. He is the picture of obedience that I live in so that I can maintain relationship with God and be inspired by him because he is the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. What's a pioneer? Somebody who goes for the first time. He went the first time and he showed us the way to the Father. I can tell I'm kind of like, woo, to everybody right now, but that's okay because <laughs> that's okay because Jesus, this is, this is in my heart. So you just got to understand there's a little bit of excitement, exuberance, power behind what I'm saying. There's some passion for Jesus in my heart today. And I want to share that with you, not because you don't have any passion, but because we are here to spur one another on in this race of faith, in this marked out path that Jesus himself was the pioneer of. Hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. Jesus is our vision for obedience. I'm moving around so much for the camera people, but that's okay. <laughs> and for y'all too. <laughs> you know, it's funny, in third grade, uh, I ran my very first cross-country race. So now I'm going to get to the cute story, okay? Um, in third grade, I ran my very first cross-country race, and I was so nervous. We went to a town, I think it was Chanute maybe, but I went with my little Christian school, and um, the race was, I think, for first graders through fifth graders, and so I was kind of the middle of the age group, you know, so, um, but I was, I was a real competitor, okay, at heart, and I was actually a pretty good runner, and so um, I was like, I had in my mind, like, I could win, but there's one problem. I'm, first of all, I'm scared because, like, you know, okay, for those of you who don't know cross country or haven't been a part of that, you get to the course, and it's like on grass or gravel. Or, it's all over the place, okay? So the, uh, there's a course master or a, you know, a coach or somebody who takes you along the course, and they show you the marked out path. Hopefully it's marked clearly, and sometimes it ha isn't, and we take wrong turns because it, it wasn't. But... <laughs> That's what I was afraid of. So I'm following along, uh, trying to find the course. And I'm in the middle of this big group of people that's walking along in this grass field. And you know, the grass was tall enough and I was a little kid. So you know, when you're little and you don't know, quite know what's in front of you to step on, you kind of are actually looking down, which isn't helpful when you're trying to know the course. Because you can't get there if you're you can't remember anything. You can't see anything. Was I supposed to go around this twice or turn there? Or what was I supposed to do? And so I am shaking. By the time we get to the start line, I'm shaking in my boots. And I'm looking around at the few other runners from my school. There was one fifth grade girl um, that was running. And so I was like, you know what? I'm not going to be able to be in first place in this thing. I had so much confidence. <laughs> I'm not going to be able to win because I'm not going to know what way to go. And so I was disappointed by that and also nervous, and so we start the race. And my uh, school friend that's in fifth grade, she takes off. She's really uh, doing good, but I can keep up with her. And so I just kept saying to myself, but if I get out in front of her, I'm not going to be able to see the way to go. And here's what Jesus has done. He didn't just put us on the planet to say, figure it out. Figure your way out to my presence. Figure your way out to your own salvation. Figure your way out to get past sin, figure your way out to find the path that, I've, that, that I have for you, but it's like invisible because I didn't do a very good job of marking it. He actually sent Jesus, the pioneer 
of our faith. And he went before us and showed us the way. And not only that, he gave us the sweet gift of his written word. He gave us the most precious gift of his very spirit. Do you know that God gave us his spirit? It is God himself. When we confess with our mouth and believe in our hearts that Jesus is Lord, his own spirit, God himself comes and lives in us. Isn't that amazing? I mean, God himself is living in you. And he has, he is testifying continuously about Jesus to your heart and to your spirit. Hallelujah, Jesus. So Jesus is our vision for obedience. So we're going to get uh, going and started with getting a vision of Jesus. We're going to read several scriptures here. So get your thumbs ready, whether it's on a device or it's in a paper Bible, get them ready. We need to read the word ourselves, right? We want to do this together today. I want to do this together. We want to study the word. We want to write it down. If you don't have anything to read it with along with us today, write it down so you go back and you read it yourself later. Colossians chapter 1, we're going to start there. We're jumping in here where Paul has been praying for the Colossians, uh, Colossian believers. And so um, it's a prayer for, for them, and um, it's a prayer for us by the Holy Spirit. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. Why does that happen? The very next phrase. So that. Why do we need the knowledge of the will of God? with the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please Him in every way. The Spirit has been poured out in our hearts to show us the way to follow Jesus so that we can live a life worthy of the Lord and please Him in every way. The next little set of verses, 11 through 14, explain what that life looks like. So if you want to, that's what I'm saying. Mark it down, you can go back and you can read that. What does that look like? Colossians 1, 15, we're going to go there. Because this is the picture of Jesus that the Apostle Paul begins to write to us about. He says this, the Son, Jesus, the Son, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn, he's the pioneer, firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers, which is earthly rulers, or rulers or authorities, which is spiritual powers and authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. There is nothing that is existing that is not held together by the life giver himself, Jesus. I am not standing on the stage. You are not sitting in that chair. You are not standing behind a camera, except that Jesus is holding it all together. It's his life. It's his spirit. He is the author of life. There is no one before him. Why would we walk in obedience? Because he's the king of the universe. Not me, not my will, not my American ideals and dreams and plans, not my pursuit of happiness. It's not God. Jesus is the king of the universe. (laughs) And guess what? He is a good king. We just sang about that today. He's so good. You know why we have to sing, you are good, you are good, like over and over again. Some of you are like, I got the point. Why do we got to sing it so much? Because we need a constant reminder that God is good. So when I'm walking in obedience to God, 
that I know, that I know that he's not only the king of the universe, he's the king of my heart. He's good. He's got it all planned out. He's got it all figured out. He loves me with a love that is undying. His eyes have flames of fire, passionate love for his people, passionate love for his father. I know I'm super excited today. I'm really sorry if I'm scaring anybody. I'm just doing my thing like I do it at home, okay? That's all there is to it, where there's no, there's no hindrances. And I believe I'm in a safe house here, right? We're here to talk about Jesus. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of this body, the church. Yes, he is. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy he is supreme. He is the king. He is the Lord. <laughs> I can't even say it enough. Do you know in heaven, they just continue to say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. You are the king of glory. <laughs> I can't stop saying it. We can't stop saying that he is the king of glory. It pleased God. This is in verse 19, Colossians 1. It says, for it pleased God. <laughs> to have all his fullness dwell in Jesus and through him to reconcile, this is where we get into his goodness toward us, to reconcile to himself all things. Whether things on earth or things in heaven, he made peace through his blood shed on the cross. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Right now, we're just getting still a picture of Jesus and who he is and what he's done for us and why he is the Lord. Guess what? He made us all. He made us all. I know that's not a surprise. We just read about it. We, just, we, we probably know that because we believe in Jesus as our Lord. If we're in this house today, and if this is the first time you've heard about Jesus, well, here you go. Thank you for being here today. <laughs> We're going to turn to Jeremiah chapter 10. Oh, I'm so thankful. I am so thankful that I have been invited to be in relationship with the one who was given all supremacy over things visible and things invisible. I am so thankful that we gather together under the name of Jesus, the high king of heaven, the one who rules the universe. It is by his breath that our cells even operate. It is by his electricity that our brains even make any connection. It is by his breath that we talk, that we breathe, that we move. And in him, we have all of our being. In Jeremiah 10 and verse 6, it says this, There is no one like you, Lord. You are great. And your name is mighty in power. It, as we read through the scriptures, we often see like your name, your name, your name. We see these references to the name. And sometimes I think we go, well, what does that even mean? Like you're worthy of your name. You're, you know, your name is great. It's because his name is mighty in power. Who else's name do you call out in times of crisis? Who else's name do you cry out in worship, in joy, in honor? Only the name of Jesus. <laughs> because in him, his name uh, is mighty in power. Who should not fear you, king of the nations? This is your due. This is your due. This is what is due to the glory of your name. 
is my reverence, is my obedience. It is due to the name of Jesus. Among all the wise leaders, this is still in Jeremiah chapter 6, I mean 10, verses 6 and 7. Among all the wise leaders of the nations and in all their kingdoms, there is no one like you. There is no one like you, Jesus. Let's turn to John chapter 1. And some of you went, yes! John chapter 1. We're going to start in verse 1. In the beginning, John writes. He didn't write it in the beginning, but he writes in the beginning, okay? In the beginning, he says in John 1.1, was the word, the logos, the very thought and essence of God. In the beginning was the word. (laughs) And the word was with God. And the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. In other words, before earth. When the earth was form and void, there was Jesus, God, and the Holy Spirit. Three in one, they are God. He was in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. His life is our light. Did you know, when you read Genesis, there was light on the earth before there was a sun, moon, and stars? Where did that light come from? The essence of God. God himself, he is the light. This is why when we read other scriptures uh, in the Old Testament uh, where, where cultures were worshiping the, the sun, they're worshiping the stars, and, and, and we're called, they're called out. Why would you worship a lesser God? And we today ask ourselves that. Why would I want to follow my own desires, my own passions, my own ways outside of God's, that is, when I have a great high king <laughs> to worship? And when I'm saying worship, this is what I'm saying. We worship with our way of living, in our obedience to God, in the way that we follow him, that is our worship. In Hebrew, or I'm sorry, uh, Romans 12, 1, it says, Offer your bodies as living sacrifices, uh, holy and acceptable to God. This is your reasonable worship. (laughs) Reasonable worship. Offer your body as a living sacrifice is a reasonable response to the high king of heaven, maker of heaven and earth, the king of the universe, who has sent his own son to give us his spirit to live in us. I know I'm repeating myself. Here's the thing. Until we are walking in it, and I'm not saying you, I'm saying me, until we are living with this reality that Jesus himself came to give God's spirit to my heart to bring me into his presence, we're going to walk in obedience, like Pastor Clayton mentioned last week, in this sort of like reluctant submission because, well, I can see that this is the right way to go, instead of maturing to the place of, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, I'm in agreement, I'm in agreement. Praise the name of the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. You're worthy of our praise. <laughs> it says this in verse 4, John 1, 4, in him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light in your eyes. <laughs> yes, Jesus. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. You know, even though Jesus, God exalted him and made him the king, he still modeled obedience to the Father while he lived on the earth, and he still does it. From the beginning to the end, which really, God has no beginning or end. He is eternal. 
another reason for us to walk in obedience to him. He is eternal, and we are finite. Jesus modeled obedience to the Father. Even though he was one with the Father, he still submitted himself. This is the picture of what, of, this is one of the things that tells us, oh, I should obey God. I should follow his word and move beyond this rules. Rules are great. We need to know the clear, we need to know the clear plan. But we need to move from a reluctant submission to a full agreement with the word of God. And we need to show that in the way that we live. Jesus modeled this in his obedience to the Father. Let's turn to John 5, verse 19 and 20. These are some of my favorite verses because Jesus shows us what our confession ought to be as believers, as followers of God. John 5, 19, it says, Very truly, I tell you, this is Jesus talking. He's actually responding to the religious leaders who are the scripture right before, the, the couple scriptures right before this, talk about they are looking for a way to capture him and kill him. They're planning to kill him is actually what the word says. And this is his response. You know why they were planning to kill him? Because he claimed that he was the son of God, which made him equal with God. This is what he says in response. Very truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. Jesus. The king. The one who sat at creation and made it all. The one who's actually holding it all together. <laughs> the Lord of life. I can't do anything by myself. The son can do only what he sees his father doing. This is the picture that Jesus gives us for obedience. Jesus himself says, the one who's equal with God says, I can do nothing by myself. I can only do what I see my father doing. And he continues this by what it seems like saying the same thing again, but not really. He can only do what he sees his father doing because whatever the father does, the son also does. This is the relationship that God is talking about when he welcomes us in as his children. This is what Jesus means when he says, you are my brothers and sisters. I'm not calling you servants anymore. You're my friends. This is what Jesus did when he said, when, when the word tells us that he made us co-heirs with Christ. He made us able <laughs> to say, I can't do anything but what I see the father doing because I only do what I see my father doing. <laughs> this is the relationship that God is walking us into. Praise the name of the Lord. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all he does. There is no act of obedience. There is no yes to God that we can give outside of him, outside of him loving us and showing us what he does. And it's only when we try to figure that out without standing in his love, without hearing it from him, that we find ourselves bogged down and oppressed and heavy and overwhelmed by trying to obey God. And while in those moments, we're trying to actually earn. So obedience is a great joy to those who walk in it. <laughs> There's a rest in obedience. There's a rest in obedience. There's a rest. The rest of God comes when we just say, yes, I'm in agreement with you, God. <laughs> I'm not going to war within myself anymore over what I want, what you want. I'm just going to say yes to you. And in that, I find protection and safety. I find joy and peace. I find that I'm not confused about what to do anymore. I find I have a clear mind. I have a steady heart. 
And that is what we're looking for, right? We're looking for that marked out path, and we find it in Jesus. By clearly seeing Jesus, I am moved to follow him in obedience. Disciples keep their eyes on the teacher. We go back and we think about Jesus' disciples, or really any disciples in the, in the Jewish culture, culture. They had lots of teachers. Well, I don't know if they had a lot, but anyway, they had teachers. And there were, there were always disciples that followed those teachers. And disciple means that I'm looking at the teacher and I'm listening to the teacher. So, you know, I'm listening to what he's teaching so that I can learn it, but I'm also watching how he lives what he's saying. I think sometimes we stop short or maybe we just revert back or something. We say, well, I'm going to heaven. Well, I had that special moment with God at church or at home. And rather than leaning into, leaning into the gaze of the teacher, leaning into watching what he's doing and how he's working and how he's speaking through other people, do you know you can learn from every single person around you, every single one of them? And we can lean in and say, Jesus, what are you trying to teach me in this? I can lean in and and learn. Disciples aren't there to tell the teacher what they want to learn or how they want things to go. This is the class I want to take. You know, in in our college uh, system, we, I mean, you know, you pick your program, but, but maybe at first, like I think about our community college. I mean, they just gave me a paper and said, here's all the classes. What do you want to do? And you just kind of can check mark them or maybe it's online now, whatever. But... I'm old. So it was a paper then. So anyway, (laughs) but we get to kind of pick our courses. A disciple doesn't pick their course. They pick their teacher and they follow him. (laughs) A disciple says, you are what I need to know and see and love and model and learn how to teach the next. Learn how to share the next. And as disciples of Jesus, what we do, we actually just, we, we get to enjoy the, the closeness of his presence. And so then we just go, hey, you got to come get in on this. You got to, you over there, you don't have any, you don't have any teacher to follow. And of course, Jesus is really the only teacher we should follow, right? You over there kind of groping in the dark, trying to figure out what life is and what you're trying to do. Come over here. I've got a teacher <laughs> that you want to look at. I've got a teacher that you want to model your life after. Let's go to Philippians chapter 2. Wow, I love this scripture. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 1 says this. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, If any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. He's talking about how we interact with each other in the body of Christ. He's talking about how we treat each other. Do nothing. This is the hard one because we're in America. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather than in humility, value others above yourself. This is the word of God. You don't have to take my word for it. Value others above yourself. Not looking to, didn't Jesus model that? We're getting there. I better hold up because I actually want to read the scripture about it. 
But each of you to the inter- look to the interests of others, not to your own. In verse 5, Philippians 2, it says, In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. The very word of God tells us to model our lives after our Savior Jesus. And it says this, He, being in very nature God, He was God, did not consider equality with God, which is true, something to be used to his own advantage. Okay, we're going to go back to that word restraint. He did not consider his equality with God to be his permission to throw up a hard pass to coming to earth and saving our lives. You know what I mean? He could have done that. He and the Father and the Spirit were one. Making this whole plan, he's the lamb that was slain before the foundations of the world. Do you know what that means? That means that Jesus sat there with the plan of the beautiful earth and the beautiful people that he would put on it. Also, at the same time, with the plan that he was going to have to come and die. A criminal's death. Do you know Jesus doesn't have death in his body? He is not darkness. He is not death. He is life. (laughs) He actually had to submit himself to come to the earth we're going to read that scripture here in a minute. I'm sorry, i got to get there because it's so powerful when you just read it out straight. He did not consider it (laughs) equality with God, something to be used to his own advantage. In other words, uh, he, he didn't say, well, let's make a different plan. I'm not going to the cross. In fact, I don't really want to even put on human body and go down there. I just want to stay in the presence of my father. He didn't have that in his heart. He didn't have that in his heart. He didn't say, let me just take advantage in every way that I can. Instead, he humbled himself. He made, this is actually what it says in verse 7, he made himself nothing. The king of the universe made himself nothing. He is our model, our vision for obedience. (laughs) He made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. He was born to a teenage girl that wasn't even married yet. He made himself nothing like a servant. He became our servant. Our king became our servant. Our creator. (laughs) Our essence of life. Our one who holds us together became our servant. He's our picture of obedience. (laughs) He's our picture of obedience. Being found in appearance as a man. This is uh, Philippians 2.8. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. We sometimes go obedience to death. Okay, yeah, obedience. Uh, and, and some versions say um, obedience to the point of death. I think the point was actually kind of thrown in there by English people, but that's okay. Um, because there's two meanings here. Obedient to death. Yes, he he was obedient to the Father's plan. But here's the other thing. We're talking about uh, the maker of life, the one who actually has life. He is life. There's no life without him. When I read he became obedient to death, this is what it means. He actually had to say no to the life that he is in order to actually die for us. I think of like uh, the comic characters that have like that supernatural, that fast healing power, Wolverine, Hulk. You know, they've got these 
unusual powers in them <clears throat> that when they get injured, uh, they just heal really fast and they're back to their full strength and they go and do the thing that they're supposed to do. It's just, a, it's just a real small glimpse of what Jesus was like because actually death bounces off of him. Death actually comes to life when he's around. So when a scripture tells me that he became obedient to death, that means he actually had to make a choice of his will, not just to be arrested and put to death in the earthly sense that we see, but to actually hold, restrain his life force. The source of life <laughs> cannot be put to death by human hands unless he becomes obedient to it. I mean, when Wolverine gets a gigantic, I don't know, some of you might not know who it is, when he gets a gigantic gash in his arm, he doesn't have to tell it, okay, well, heal up, you know, figure this out. He, I mean, you know, he kind of writhes in pain for a second, but then it comes back and he just goes back and does his thing. Because the life is in him. Do you know, I think about, this makes me think of Jesus receiving the beating. Do you know he had to restrain his life? Are we getting this? He had to, he had to say no to his nature of life to actually receive the punishment for our sins. He is so good. He has done it all. He is our vision to follow the Father. <laughs> he knew it before he was slain. He knew it. He knew before he created the earth that he would die for the people of the earth. The Lord of life. Let's go to Colossians chapter 3. Wow. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 1, it says this. So then you have been raised with Christ. This is what it was talking about when it said you're the he's the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Means he's the first one that resurrected from the dead so that he could give us resurrection life, which is what we live in today. Because since you've been raised with Christ from your death in sin that you were born into, set your heart on things above. Your passion, your dreams, your emotions, <laughs> everything within you that is crying out to go in a certain way, set it on the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds, your thoughts, your plans, your, your schedule. Set it on things above. As believers in Christ, we've been invited to have the perspective of heaven actually frame the way we live on earth. The perspective of heaven, where Christ is, seated with God, that's our perspective. We look down from heaven into our lives on earth. If we're not careful and we forget who our teacher is, the one we're supposed to have our eyes on, we actually live from earth and try to do the things of heaven while we have the perspective of earth. But this scripture tells me that I need to set my heart, my affections, my passions. I need to set my mind, my thoughts, my plans on the things of heaven. This is what Jesus did. This is, he never lost it. <laughs> he came to earth with heaven's reality. 
and he never left it. This is what he invites us into. When Christ, who is your life, oh, wait a minute, I gotta go back and reach verse three. For you died. Woo! For you died. And your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Somebody needs to get free in that today. You died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, because he is life, he's the Lord of life, he's the source of life, there is no death in him, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. Jesus modeled for us what it is to live in restraint, in obedience, in willingness, in agreement with the Father's will. Because there's no better way to live. Verse 7, Colossians 3 says, You used to walk in these ways, those things we just listed. In the life you once lived, the one that was dead, one that died. But now, so see, there's another process of sanctification we're going to go through here. But now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. I encourage you, look up these scriptures, look up the meanings of these words, and begin to confess that I am dead, and the Lord is sanctifying me out of all of these things. Anger, slander filthy language. In verse 9 it says, do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and you have put on your new self with its practices which is being renewed. Your new self is being renewed in the image (laughs) of its creator. You are being renewed in the very image of Jesus, the source of life, the creator of heaven and earth, everything visible and invisible. His very spirit lives in you and you are being renewed. You are being renewed. What does this say? In the knowledge of the image of Jesus. (laughs) In our image and our vision, our clear seeing of Jesus, we're being renewed. We're being renewed out of anger. We're being renewed out of slander. We're being renewed out of poor attitudes, out of evil desires. We're being renewed out of selfish ambition and vain conceit. We're being renewed into the image of our creator. Hallelujah, Jesus. Philippians 2.13, one of my other favorite scriptures says this, for God is working in you. God is working in you, giving you giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. This is grace. This is the grace that we're invited to walk in. God is working in you, in me, giving us, he's giving us, giving us the desire and the power to do his will. If we can just get a picture of Jesus, we can understand what he means when he says, I'm giving you this the desire and the power to do everything I've asked you to do. (laughs) Hallelujah. The clearest vision we have of the way Jesus lived with restraint in his obedience to do the Father's will by going to the cross is when he goes to the cross. In Matthew chapter 26, we read about what Jesus prayed. And let me just say this. In verses 39 through 44, it talks about that time in the garden where the disciples had come with him. He'd taken a few of his disciples to, and they, he left them to watch and pray. And 
he goes and he prays, Father, if it's possible, let this cup be taken from me. See, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit are one. So Jesus then says, yet, not as I will, but as you will. In this passage in Matthew, it says that he went to check on the disciples again, helped them wake back up and pray again, and goes back and prays again. And he says, my Father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. And I love that that little phrase is in there because I think that shows the compassion of God on human flesh. They, they fell asleep because their eyes were heavy. But he, went, he left them again and he prayed the same thing again. And, yet, and what did he say? He said, let your will be done. You guys, go ahead and grab your communion elements at home. If you have your communion elements, go ahead and get those ready. You can go ahead and open them and we'll get that little crinkly sound in the room out of the way. This is the cup. <laughs> this is the cup that Jesus took for us. Scripture tells us whenever we do this, whenever we take of his body and drink of his blood, that we should be reminded of his death. The Lord of life stepped out of heaven, had to say no to his very life essence in order just to be beaten and die for us. It says in Hebrews 12, 3, it says, For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame. He scorned its shame. And he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. That's not verse 3. Yes, it is. For the joy set before him. You know, when we read that scripture, I think we often think, oh, for the joy. You mean like because he saved the world, right? That's the joy. He was finishing the work he was sent to do. And that's true. That's so true. Here's the thing. There's a surpassing joy to that. And his surpassing joy was communion with the Father. See, when he went to the cross, he said yes to God. And that maintained perfect unity with his Father. And that is where love and joy and all the fullness of life is found is when we find perfect communion and unity with Father God. This is what we're doing today. When we take communion, we're saying yes, just like Jesus did in the garden. We're saying yes to the Father's will being done so that we can have unity with the Father through the blood of Jesus. Praise you, God. Before we take the elements, and I know you guys are holding them there in your lap, but before we take the elements, I want to just ask, can we just bow our heads together? If there's anybody in the room who says, wow, I don't know what I came into, but I think I've heard a lot about this Jesus, this source of life, this king of the universe, and my heart is saying, yes, <laughs> I want to know him. Yes, I want to follow him. And if you're in here today, and you'd like to say yes to Jesus. Raise your hand for us. Raise your hand for us. If you'd like to say yes to Jesus, you'd like to say yes to Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. Church, can we pray this prayer together? Jesus, Lord of life, 
I say yes to you. In this moment, my mouth confesses and my heart believes that you are Lord. Today, I choose to follow you. I choose to look at you, Jesus. And I choose to live in your ways for the rest of my days. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Let's take our elements. Go ahead and you can take your elements this morning. Take the bread. Go ahead and take the juice. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus, for inviting us in. You invite us in to live your way. <laughs> you invite us in to walk the way of blessing. You invite us in whoo, as children. You invite us in as friends. You invite us in as brothers and sisters. You invite us in as co-heirs who will share in your glory. So today, Jesus, we say yes. Whatever it is, whatever it is that you say in your word as we read it, by your spirit as we listen to it, today we understand that as we look at Jesus, our hearts are moved. Our hearts are moved to follow you in obedience. God, we're not going to get caught off into just trying to follow the rules by some type of forced submission to something. But God, we're moving in the direction of agreeing with your ways. <laughs> and we do that with a clear vision of who Jesus is, what he did for us, the price he paid, and the life he gives. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. You're holy and worthy. Your name is forever to be praised. There's no one like you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, friends and family. I hope today's message was life-giving for you. I want to ask you to take a next step and go ahead and click the subscribe button so you never miss another chance to have an encounter with God. And while you're at it, take another step and share it with a friend. Maybe post it on your social network or text a coworker the link. And when you do that, you are partnering and get to be a part of seeing faith come to life in them. Hey, if Faith Church has made an impact in your life, if these messages are helping you gain traction in your faith, would you consider partnering with us financially? When you do that, it helps us widen our reach so that more people can have an encounter with the real Jesus. You can find information and ways to give on our central hub, faithchurchks.org. If, if you live in the Southeast Kansas region, we'd love to see it in person at one of our Sunday services. You can find those times on our hub as well, faithchurchks.org. Hey, remember this, God is for you and we love you.